It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to review day number three of the NFL draft. A lot of action here for the New York Jets. So, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com, and above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley and draft analyst for PlayLikeAJet.com and co-host of Play Like a Jet Live with Luke Grant every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on U Stadium, Mr. Clayton Smarslock. So, gentlemen, let's get right into this. The Jets picked number two overall on this day in the fourth round, so number 107 overall, and we thought that there were some interesting names that we're going to come off the board today. We mentioned it yesterday. One of them was Jabril Cox, the linebacker from LSU. I thought he could be the pick. The Jets desperately need an off-ball linebacker, and he's somebody that can cover tight ends, would fill a need. However, there was a report early in the morning that Jabril Cox had some sort of shoulder surgery, and teams haven't been able to get proper information on it, so that's why he slid. So maybe that scared some teams off. I don't know if that's why the Jets made the pick that they did, but it wasn't Cox. Instead, it was another guy that we said would be one of the top ones left on the board. Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, a dynamic duo running the ball for UNC. Fantastic to watch them. And I got to tell you, I'm excited about this pick. The comparisons that I saw, and I think these are good. Daniel Jeremiah compared him to a faster Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Charles Davis said Devontae Freeman. Perfect. I think he can be the lead back here. Everybody talks about bell cows or a guy that can carry the ball 30 times a game. You don't really need that in today's NFL anymore. If you have it, if you have somebody like Henry, great, that's fine. If you have somebody like Najee Harris, great, that's fine. I get it. But if you have somebody like Michael Carter who can just touch the ball 15 to 20 times a game and be very productive, cool. He can do it in the passing game. He can do it in the running game. Very shifty between the tackles. Very quick. I like this a lot, and I think it adds another key piece to the offense. So you saw a playmaking receiver, a playmaking running back, a guard who is ferocious in pass protection. We're seeing a pattern here to surround Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick. Now, the ironic part is, if Zach Wilson isn't good, a lot of these other pieces aren't going to matter so much. But if Zach Wilson has it in him to be a good or great NFL quarterback, the Jets are doing everything they can to put around him the pieces that will help them find out what his ceiling actually is. And I think for somebody like you, Chris, who's been screaming, I want offense, I want offense, I want offense, I want offense, this is about as good of a draft as you can get, right? Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, listen. 
all all gas, no brakes, Robert Solid says, and it's all that gas is being spent on the offense now, and it it's couldn't be a better way to go about this right now. I've been saying this for years. I don't care about the defense at all to start the building of a team. Eventually, when you're going to make the Super Bowl run, you want to worry about the defense. You're getting the rookie quarterback. Just put all your attention to building the talent around him. And right now, this draft, the only pick that I have any questions or concerns about is Zach Wilson. And everyone I've talked about it, I really like him. I think he's going to be good. And I think the fact that everything else around him is so good, this the system, the coaching staff, the talent and players now, that he, he is going to succeed. But I don't have any questions about Elijah Vera Tucker. I do not have any questions about Elijah Moore. And I do not have any questions about Michael Carter. He is a perfect fit for this system. That is the one-cut, uh, powerful, explosive running back. He will uh, have the patience to wait for the whole, right hole to open up, and then he will burst right through that hole. And uh, this – you talked about the bell cow thing – um, this is going to be just like San Francisco here. And it's going to be a very similar offense, how they run it. Uh, again, I've talked about before is going to tweak it in, in some ways, how he, in his mind's eye, but you're going to have Elijah Moore taking on like a kind of a Debo Samuel role. You're going to have these running backs where you're going to have four and maybe even five running backs uh, making the roster this year. Like, you're going to have a bunch of them and then they're going to get a fullback later. This, this is going to be a big part of it is having a rotation of backs and Michael Carter is going to be able to step in right away. That first week he will be able to contribute and you couldn't ask for a better start to building an offense like Zach Wilson has, we talked about this with, how the Bills did such a good job building around Josh Allen, how the Browns have done such a good job building around Baker, and obviously the Jets failed building around Darnold. They failed uh, building around Geno before him. Uh, <clears throat> they are not messing around now. The Zach Wilson it hasn't even practiced yet for them, and they've already stocked the talent around them. Uh, I don't know how any fan, Jet fan – can't be excited right now. Who knows how good they're going to be, but I promise you they're going to be fun. Clayton, very interesting because of the fact that Kenny Gainwell was a running back. We heard a lot of traction about going to the Jets potentially. He dropped a lot, and the word I got is that he had a bad pro day. Remember, he had only one year of production at Memphis, opted out this past year, and so there were going to be a lot of questions that he would have to answer at his pro day. And I said this to Chris yesterday, but if you are having a pro day, that is the most important day of your professional life to that point. You absolutely have to show up prepared and in the best shape you can be in unless you're injured or sick or something like that. And Kenny Gainwell apparently showed up out of shape, a little heavy. That's no good. That's like showing up to a job interview drunk. You cannot do that. And if a player does that, especially in a year like this, his stock is going to drop. That didn't happen with Michael Carter. I'm not saying that that's the reason that this pick was made, but I do think that that's a big part of why Gainwell is dropping right now. I understand that there are some people that would have preferred him to Carter. I would have been happy with either one, and I know you would have too, right, Clay? Yeah, I mean, I would have been fine with either one, but I actually did like Carter a good bit better than Gainwell. Um, I, I put out in my mock drafts, uh, 
in the past, I would have been fine with Michael Carter at 66 if they stayed there. So the fact that they got him 41 picks later, I mean, I'm honestly ecstatic with the pick. Uh, I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with what Chris said. Like he said, like he doesn't care about defense whatsoever. Like I don't think we can have that mentality. I think you just got to stick to the board. Yeah, I think the first pick, maybe two, were yeah, you have to go offense. Um, but after that, like you just got to stick to the board, build a good team, and I think they're sticking to it. I don't think they're trying to just stay offense. I think they're just trying to put, put the best team around Zach Wilson and just make it a good environment. They like, we can't just have we can't just fill holes because it's a hole. We just gotta we gotta fill holes if the value is there. And I think the value was was definitely there with Michael Carter. Um, so I, I'm very happy with that pick. I think he fits this offense pretty well. Uh, and looking at the running back uh, room right now with Tevin Coleman, Michael P. Ryan, Ty Johnson, Josh Adams. Do any of those names think uh, like scream to you that they're going to be taking more snaps than Mike Carter? No. I don't think so. So mm-hmm. honestly, right now, depending on Jameson Crowder, I think this is four starters and four picks. Uh, I really do all on the offensive side. So that's four guys, uh, three guys that are going to grow with a young uh, rookie quarterback with very high potential and a new offensive scheme, a new coaching staff. It's just, I think everything's just starting to, get into place and I'm I'm optimistic like very optimistic about what the future looks like for this offense the Jets actually after that after taking all those offensive players and making us think that maybe they were just going to ignore the defense traded down so they didn't have their second fourth rounder the one that they got in that trade up with the Minnesota Vikings they flipped the Seattle pick for that compensation fourth rounder at the very end of the round they moved out of that Picked up an extra pick later in the draft And so their next pick was in the fifth round And they ended up taking their very first defensive player of the day Jamie and Sherwood The safety out of Auburn Productive player is a full-time starter in 2020 75 stops Broke up three throws in 11 games Started 10 Set out the beginning of the bowl game with an injury But then ended up coming back in So this is a player that gives them some depth And let's be honest about this We don't know exactly what's going to happen at the safety position going forward because LaMarcus Joyner is here in a one-year deal. Marcus May is on a one-year franchise tag. Who knows if they commit to him long-term, he's going to be close to 30 by the time his contract is up, that one-year agreement. And then you have Ashton Davis, who they probably envision as a long-term starter, but who knows exactly. They don't have a ton of depth there, and if they think that he can be something in the fifth round, that's fine. They already spent four premium picks on offense. If they want to use a fifth rounder on a defensive player that they liked, cool with me. Seems like he'd be a pretty solid fit in the Sala Ulbrich defense. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I watched a ton of tape on him because I didn't, but high character kid, went to a top school, was productive there, perfectly fine with it in the fifth round. I know that there were players that they could have had on the offensive side of the ball. Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami, went one pick later. There's still some guards on the board as well and some other players that they could have thought about. But if this is a player that they liked, no problem. Yeah, I'm I'm not against you know throwing in the defense there at all. Uh, but especially at this point, you got like Clay said, they got four legit starters on offense. Mm-hmm. You can start looking for some defense now. I don't know too much about Jamie and Sherwood uh, myself here. Uh, I I did very little, uh, paid very little attention to the safety market. I I looked at it at the top of it, but not down low. I'm just seeing right here uh, on my ESPN app that he's a big, strong safety. He spent a high percentage of snaps inside the box. 
um, you know, above average run defender, good strength, long arms, physical length, asset, and coverage. But just has marginal top end speed from Steve Munch, uh, ESPN. Uh, this sounds like maybe somebody that they might try to uh, fill in as you know a box safety slash will uh, defender. Maybe try to see if they can put him in that Keanu Neal role that they mm-hmm. were trying to sign Keanu Neal for. So maybe we can see them probably experimenting with him a little bit in uh, training camp and see what best fits for him there. But you're right about the safety. If they do decide to keep him at safety, a more of a, a, a true safety. Uh, I, everyone knows I love Marcus May, but he's just on that one-year contract. Uh, the Marcus Joyner, just a one-year contract. I like the potential from Ashton Davis, but we need to see more this year before you feel really comfortable going forward. So it, it doesn't hurt to get some safety depth. And if he does have the flexibility to possibly fill in and play that will spot, you know, maybe not right away, but eventually then that could be, uh, that could be a huge help for the defense. And Clay, if they do envision him in the Keanu Neal role to play a little bit of the will linebacker spot, that's fine too, because let's be honest, this team is incredibly thin at linebacker. They've got C.J. Mosley, all-pro caliber player, but he hasn't played in two years, and he's getting up there in age. You've got Jared Davis, but he's been completely erratic. They're hoping that he was just miscast in Detroit and that they can get something more out of him, but who knows. Beyond that, very thin. Blake Cashman, he's hurt all the time, and let's be real about this, not very good. Perfect pick for Mike McCagnin. That was pretty much his M.O. So if you get him and you have him as safety depth or somebody that you might be able to plug in and use at linebacker a little bit or a hybrid of some sort, that's fine if that's what they envision him as. If they like this player, I'm totally cool with it at the top of the fifth round. As you said, Clay, and I agree, and Chris did too, four legitimate starting caliber offensive players with the first four picks. No problem giving Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich a toy to play with on the defense here. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the name pop up on my screen, I'm not going to lie, I didn't, I don't really know much about Sherwood. As I, like, I knew he was from Auburn because as an SEC fan, like I kind of just knew the name. But looking into it, yeah, I mean, he's he's got some size to him. He's 6'2", listed at 216. Uh, he's, like, I'm reading his bio right now. He looks like a pretty sure tackler. Uh, he fills the box as, as a, uh, like a strong safety type. I think – I have a feeling they're going to try to maybe put on some weight, uh, put some weight on him and maybe try to become that will uh, or at least compete for that um, for that position. Because like you mentioned, the, the players at that linebacker, whether it's Mike, Sam, or Will – it's not great. I mean, we, you named the top three guys, and outside of him, it's, outside of them, it's maybe Noah Dawkins. Um, and if Dawkins is the only depth piece that they have at linebacker, he could definitely fill in that role. As for the strong, as for the safety positions, it's really just Joiner, Davis, and May, and they're all more of a they're all better fits as free safeties. So maybe he does play that hybrid role with uh, as a strong safety. I don't. I mean, we're all kind of just guessing here. I don't think we know what their intention is with Sherwood, but. I'm okay with giving him a defensive piece. I would have preferred maybe looking at cornerback, but I'm okay. I'm not going to question them because I can't really question because I don't really know much about Sherwood. <laughs> so I'm, I'm more than okay with it. The first four picks may be happy enough to where if there's a pick that I'm not quite positive about, I'm okay. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Clay and Chris had to run, so I'm going to take the wheel for the rest of the way and take you through the rest of the draft picks. 
and the undrafted free agents that they signed after the draft was over. Michael Carter II was picked in the fifth round at number 154 overall. That is hilarious on so many levels. They picked Michael Carter in the fourth round, the running back from North Carolina, and then another Michael Carter, Michael Carter II, who was the second Michael Carter they picked. You really can't make that up. Carter played corner and safety at Duke. Looks like he's going to probably play nickel. Clay texted me and said he likes what he's seen from him so far. He's going to have more on that coming up later during the week. Jason Pinnock, the cornerback from Pitt, goes to the Jets at number 175 overall. Former high school wide receiver, good ball skills, good speed as well. Hamsar Nisreldin, the linebacker from Florida State, goes in the sixth round at pick number 186. Looks like he'll probably be a will linebacker. And we know that the Jets have a shortage of linebackers, period. Only played two games in 2020 after an ACL tear, but led Florida State in tackles in 2018 and 2019. Broke up a bunch of passes, too. A little bit like Bless Austin in the sense that he had that major injury and then slipped in the draft. The difference, of course, is that Austin had very little college production, whereas the Florida State product had quite a bit of it before the injury. Another cornerback, Brandon Eccles, goes at number 200 overall. He was the other Kentucky cornerback, not named Kelvin Joseph. More or less a traits pick here, as was Jonathan Marshall, who was picked at number 207 overall in the sixth round. He tested off the charts at Arkansas, but he's going to have to be more consistent if he wants to be a player at the NFL level. After the draft is when things always get interesting. Teams scramble for undrafted free agents. I was annoyed because I wanted the Jets to draft either Jose Borregales, who is arguably the top kicker in the nation, although Evan McPherson from Florida was picked in the fifth round. Jose did not get drafted. I thought it was well worth a sixth-round pick to make that happen. They did it last year at punter with Braden Mann, figured that they could solve the kicker problem by drafting Jose. They didn't do that. Riley Patterson from Memphis would have been a good one, too. Unfortunately, the Jets didn't draft either one of them, and they signed elsewhere. Jose signed in Tampa Bay, and Riley Patterson signed in Minnesota. The Jets did do pretty well, though, with undrafted free agents. They got Kenny Oboa. From Ole Miss, the tight end Be honest with you, they've got six tight ends on this roster None of them are any good So he'll come in here with a legitimate chance to not just make the team But actually get some playing time Pretty good receiving threat He reunites with Elijah Moore If he makes a team, it'll be fun to see them play together Teton Saltis, an offensive tackle from New Mexico sign Hamilcar Rashid Jr., the edge rusher from Oregon State You know the story here, we've talked about him Ton of production his sophomore and junior year, especially his junior year, he had 22.5 tackles for a loss and 14.5 sacks. Last year, pretty much nothing. There has been talk that he might have been banged up, only played seven games. So the hope here is that you get a guy who can revert back to what he was his junior year as opposed to the ineffective player he was his senior year. Milo Eifler. The linebacker from Illinois was signed. Michael Dwumfor from Rutgers, a defensive lineman. Tristan Hodge, the offensive lineman from BYU. It'll be fun to see if he makes the team because if he does, then he'll get to stick around with his pal Zach Wilson. 
Brendan White, the safety from Rutgers. Grant Hermans, the offensive tackle from Purdue. Chris Nugar. I don't know if Nugar is going to end up being the kicker, but I really hope he does because the kicking situation has just been flat out embarrassing. And I don't really have it in me to keep watching such poor kicker play. Jordan Peters, safety from Auburn. And last but not least, Isaiah Dunn, the cornerback from Oregon State. Great athleticism, really fast. Got the highest guarantee that's ever been given to an undrafted cornerback. The question here is whether or not he can be consistent around the ball. Had some trouble with that at Oregon State. That's why he didn't get drafted. He'll get an opportunity here with the Jets to make the roster. Clearly, they believe in him to some degree if they were willing to guarantee him that kind of money for an undrafted free agent. The Jets have a dearth of talented cornerback. They just drafted a bunch of guys. We'll see how it shakes out in terms of if anybody can actually come in here and get some playing time. The strategy, by the way, on day number three, when the smoke cleared, seemed to be that Joe Douglas told Robert Sala, go crazy, just pick whoever it is you like, throw some darts at the wall, and let's see what sticks. And in at least one regard, it makes sense because, as we heard A lot of teams had very short boards this year, so if you only had 100 or so players that you really trusted because of the problem with the lack of information that was uncharacteristic of any other year, you might have just said, okay, with late round picks, we'll just collect a bunch of them, draft as many players as we can, and if a couple of them make the roster great, if not, that's just the price you pay for the weird year that this is. Overall, we'll find out if the guys that they picked on day three beyond Michael Carter, the first Michael Carter, the running back Michael Carter from North Carolina, end up being any good in the league. But you know how it goes when you draft guys between rounds five and seven, you're hoping for some sort of contributor, special teams guy or a part time player rotation piece. Every now and again, you hit on somebody who turns out to be a really, really good player in those rounds. But for the most part, you're not expecting that. You're just expecting guys that can contribute or hoping for guys that can contribute. So we'll see if that's what some of these guys end up being. So there you go. That wraps up day number three of the NFL Draft. We're going to have so much coverage, not only at playlikeajet.com and on our YouTube channel, but of course here on the podcast, we're going to be digging in on the key players that the Jets drafted Over the last couple of days, we'll look at the film, we'll talk to some people who have covered these guys and get a better feel for what they're like as people. So a lot to get into over the next couple of days and weeks. Really excited to dig in on these new pieces that the Jets have added, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.